Well, this is great to be able to preach, but unfortunately, Pastor Gordon has to, has to get sick in order for me to do it. <laughs> I guess that's better than getting sick than I'm doing it, but uh, this, is, uh, this is a great opportunity, and I want to, well, Alita said, you don't need that big Bible, do you? It's the one I have, you know, and I wanted something to remind me that I'm proclaiming the Word of God today, so uh, that's important. Well, the God of big surprises. Alita and I watch these uh, remodeling shows. I think you've seen them. I've said this before. And uh, the people come and their house has been remodeled and they open the door and what do they say? Oh, my God. Well, right words, wrong time. I think that's one of the privileges that we have, is to declare to the God, oh my God. I, I, I used to bug people, you know, they'd say that, oh my God, I, mine too. And uh, they weren't quite ready for that, but uh, then what do you do? It's time for a testimony. You got to try it sometime, it's kind of fun. But um, Pastor Gordon called me and said, I think I'm coming down with something. Excuse me, he texted me and then he called me. <laughs> and uh, he said, are you ready with a message? I said, do you want number three, number 59? He said, no, number 777. So that's what you're getting, uh, I think. But I said, yes. But the, what, what surprised me is that he didn't ask one of you. And if he had, you would have said, oh, my God. In the right way, because that's what it takes to proclaim the word of God. His help. Well, God is a God of surprises. Big surprises. We're going to learn that today. And I'm reading from Acts chapter 8, verses 1 through 5. And then several other verses. Saul was one of the witnesses, and he agreed completely with the killing of Stephen. A great wave of persecution began that day, sweeping over the church in Jerusalem. And all the believers, except the apostles, were scattered through the regions of Judea and Samaria. Some devout men came and buried Stephen with great mourning. But Saul was going everywhere to destroy the church. He went from house to house, dragging out both men and women to throw them into prison. But the believers who were scattered preached the good news about Jesus wherever they went. Philip, for example, went to the city of Samaria and told the people there about the Messiah. Then in Acts 9, 1 through 3, Meanwhile, Saul was uttering threats with every breath and eager to kill the Lord's followers. So he went to the high priest. He requested letters addressed to the synagogues in Damascus, asking for their cooperation in the arrest of any followers of the way he found there. He wanted to bring them, both men and women, equal opportunity, back to Jerusalem in chains. In verse 17, 
So Ananias went and found Saul. He laid his hands on him and said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road has sent me so that you might regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Instantly, something like scales fell, uh, fell from Saul's eyes and he regained his sight. Then he got up and was baptized. Afterward, he ate some food and regained his strength. Saul stayed with the believers in Damascus for a few days, and immediately he began preaching about Jesus in the synagogue, saying, He is indeed the Son of God. Today I want to talk to you about some of the surprises that God had for the early church. In today's message, I want to talk about one of the most unlikely people to come to Christ. I also want to tell you about some of the most unlikely people asked to preach the gospel. Then I want to share with you the surprising method that is still with us today. We call it rinse and repeat. Well, this whole concept of preaching is amazing. But who does it is the question that I hope to answer today. Now let's first take a look at uh, the surprise of who got saved. We shouldn't be surprised. If I were to ask you the most unlikely person to be saved besides you, it would be Saul of Tarsus. I see Pastor Gordon do this all the time. I feel a need for it. <coughs> I heard Saul's conversion described this way. The arrester has been arrested by the grace of God. He wasn't a nice man. Kind of a bad dude. And uh, you would have been thankful for his conversion had he, had he shown up at our church before conversion. We might have cried out, oh my God, much like Ananias did when he was told to go and talk to him. But uh, he was a murdering sinner. And yet God saw in him potential to be a, a spokesperson sharing everywhere even to the Gentiles that was kind of a rub to Jewish folk at that time but God wanted to have an example of redeeming about the worst scoundrel you could think of so that none of us could say he can't do anything for me if he could do something regarding the Apostle Paul, humbling him, bringing him to his knees so that he cries out to Jesus and actually sees Jesus and responds to the call to serve the Lord. We want that same thing for ourselves and those in our world. The second surprise. Don't be surprised 
when God calls you to preach. Now, I asked for this pulpit because I wanted to make a point that you don't need a pulpit. I wanted to stand up here on the platform to inform you, you don't need to be up here on the platform. And I wanted us to be hearing these things in this room as well as on the internet, the extended room. Because when God calls us to preach, we're not going to be in this room. You, you see, it was, it was interesting that it says that the people were scattered. In other words, they were scattered because of the Apostle Paul. God used this scoundrel even before he was a Christian. To, to, to promote and, and, and propagate the gospel. And people went everywhere. Who? Everybody but the preachers. Everybody but the apostles. Folk like you. Common folk. Forgiven fallen folk. And he said, go and preach. Do you have your sermon ready? I know Ed Lewis always has one. He tells me he's ready. But I think you do. You need three points, right, for a good sermon? Okay. Point number one. Here it is. What I was before Christ. Now, some of those details you don't need to go into. But the fact that you were lost without Christ, that's a part of your message. Perhaps you didn't go into sin like the Apostle Paul. Perhaps, perhaps yours is a, a, a rather, well, you would consider a weak testimony. I'm here to tell you there's more folk who need to hear your testimony than those that need to hear somebody who was in drugs for 82 years or eight or to common folk, good people. And yet, we needed God in our lives. So point number one. What I was before Christ. Point number two. Then someone told me about Jesus. And I invited Jesus into my heart. You've shared that already with people, haven't you? You've said that to people. Christ came into my heart. But point number three, and now I'm experiencing the abundant life that Christ promised to those of us who would invite him into our lives. What I was before, then I met Jesus. Here is the great news, the good things that God has done for me. Wow, that is the same sermon that all of those people who were scattered throughout the world at that time, ultimately the world, that uh, that, that simple message began to take root in the hearts and lives of people who heard the message, who heard the preachers, the proclaimers, really, is the word to use. Well, you shouldn't be surprised when God uses you in the calling of others 
to proclaim Christ. You know, it's one thing for the Apostle Paul to, to be knocked down off his horse, to meet Jesus, to have Christ come into his life, and then to be, begin proclaiming the gospel. But you and I wouldn't be here if he was the only one who ever did it. That's where all of those Christians in the Jerusalem church, except for the apostles, came in and they were, they were told, go and preach. Probably it wasn't a nice invitation. They were probably running for their lives. Well, there's one more individual that uh, reveals all of this in this story of Saul's conversion. A fellow by the name of Ananias. After Paul was knocked off his horse and met Jesus, God arranged for a meeting with Ananias. And uh, it's kind of an interesting story. I'll just uh, shorten it a bit by saying it this way. Ananias, yes, Lord. Uh, I'd like for you to uh, help a fella really submit his commitment to the Lord. Okay, yeah, I'll do that, Lord. And his name is Saul of Tarsus. And this is where he probably said it in the wrong way. Oh, my God. It wasn't a response of obedience at the beginning. But the Lord explained, there's a fellow over on Straight Street at the house of Judas, and he's waiting for you. Well, all of this came to be true. And uh, the Lord convinced him with these words. Go, for Saul is my chosen instrument to take my message to the Gentiles and to the kings, as well as to the people of Israel. So Ananias went and found Saul. He laid his hands on him and said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road, has sent me so that you might regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Some scales fell off his eyes. Saul had been blinded. And then he was hungry. He regained his strength. He stayed with the believers in Damascus a few days. But take this for uh, an amazing thing. And immediately he began preaching about Jesus in the synagogues, saying, he is indeed the Son of God. He didn't even go to seminary. He didn't have any, quote, homiletics courses or preaching courses. He didn't even go to Bob Smith's class on ministry. He began preaching. But remember, his message was the same one that everybody else had before. And then I met Jesus, and now here's what Christ has done for me. It's a message that all of us have. Today I want to have us take a look at a video of a young man. When I first met him, I uh, had come down to do chaplaincy training and moved in with Jerry and Sherry back here. They had two boys. They had a teenage boy, just beginning, teen years, Kelvin. And, uh, you don't mind me saying this, Kelvin was a mess. 
you could hardly understand him when he spoke. Right? And uh, he couldn't read. Folks had to have special training for him to read. Um, according to him, he was playing games with God. And he asked me to uh, mentor him, to help him as a teenage, teenage guy to learn how to serve Jesus. Well, some amazing things happened there. By the way, to fill it all out, not to leave anybody out, this would be Alita's nephew, and it'd be Beulah's grandson. And he has a message that we're going to listen to, and it's an amazing story of how God did a miracle in Kelvin Crosby's life. No less and no different than what he wants to do in your life and my life in helping us proclaim the message of Christ. Let's listen to that, Tim. I am the deaf-blind potter. This is how I live beyond my challenges. It's going to be okay. We're going to get through this together. We're not defined by our labels. It's only a season, but we're going to make it. I was born hard of hearing, and I lost all the clarity in my vision a year ago. I had a choice. Do I allow my deaf blindness to stop me from sharing the word of Christ? Or do I allow my pain and God's joy in my life to spread the word of Christ? But when I said to Jesus, I'm going to rejoice in myself and persevere and build this character for you, he showed me his love. That love overfilled me so much that I could not resist anymore hiding in my shadow of my deaf blindness but to share my pain with the world and allow the world to see God's creation make a beautiful creation so don't be surprised that God takes your challenge just like he took my challenge the deaf blind potter to share the word because you don't know who God's using. And he called you to talk about your challenge so that people can find Jesus. Amen. Since the time I was with Kelvin in his teen years, he uh, began to lose most of his sight and just recently lost all the clarity of his sight. Uh, did I tell you that his dog, Jerry, uh, Jerry just passed away at age 15, his guide dog, Jerry graduated from uh, San Diego State University, and Kelvin too, you know. Uh, Pastor Paul, I thought you said he couldn't read. Well, God did some miracles. Did I tell you that his pulpit is a little bit different than this pulpit? I asked him, Kelvin, how many followers do you have on TikTok? He said about 300,000. I'm just going to say this as, a, as a, an aside. It is amazing to me what people are doing with podcasts. How many of you listen to a podcast of some sort? Do you? A lot, a lot of you do. Recently, I was contacted by the uh, 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 
president of a Christian podcast association, just sharing the opportunities that Christians have in developing a podcast. Some people have a following of 20. That'd be me. Some have a following of 10,000, 20,000, 30,000. Just sharing principles, sharing their testimony, sharing what God is doing. And I guess my point to you today, yes, God is a God of big surprises. I would dare say that Jerry and Sherry are kind of surprised as to how God is using Kelvin in his world. By the way, I was told it's deafblindpotter.com. But what about you? What about me? God wants to use us in proclaiming the message of salvation, what God has done for us. And as we do so, we'll respond to God in the the right way. Oh my God, you can use me. Yes, Lord, I'm ready.